DevCutter was initially established to do a few things. The main, 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 um, it's, it's almost, it's not even quite a pillar. It's almost the foundation is the idea that we help one another. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome back to Status Go and our continuing series of conversations on the topic of race in technology. In this series, we are amplifying the voices of our diverse colleagues. We seek to learn, we seek to understand, we seek to build diversity, inclusion, and engagement in our organizations. And we seek ways for all of us to take action together. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. In today's episode, I'm joined by Cynthia Billups, Director of Programs at DevColor. DevColor is on a mission to create environments where black software engineers learn from one another and hold one another accountable for reaching ambitious goals. They believe that role models, learning opportunities, and the right network are all key ingredients for success in software engineering. There are thousands of black engineers that currently lack access to these resources, and it is their goal to fill that gap. So Cynthia, I'm very excited to welcome you to the show today. I really appreciate you being here. So welcome. Thank you, Jeff. I'm super excited to be here too. So I, I read your mission statement for DevColor, but I would really like to dig beneath the surface of that and talk about the organization and how it came to be and, and some of the things that you have learned as you've been building this organization. So kind of take us back in the history of the organization a little bit. Got it. So um, interestingly enough, we're in tech. And so while we are old by tech standards, we're actually only five years old. Um, five years ago, our founder, Day, he was an engineer. He was a senior engineer. He found himself looking for a community of folks that he could um, just sort of share, not only conversations about what was happening and what he was working on, but also conversations about how very different it was to sort of be um, the only person in the room, right? The only black person in the room, um, typically the only person from the school that he had um, graduated from. Uh, he, like a lot of other young engineers, had all these ideas, he had a great team to work with. He had support and mentorship and sponsorship, but none of those people actually were black. And so he looked around, he gathered some friends. Um, the first squad that DevColor had was 11 people. We have a picture of them. Uh, it's very cute. They're all standing on a hill. <laughs> so they're at this crazy kind of angle. So basically it's 11 folks, right? Uh, yeah. The idea in coming together at that time was to form the kind of lean in squad where everyone is equal. Uh, it doesn't really matter if you're a junior in your career or if you're a senior, that continues on today. Um, your squad, the original squad was 11 people. Nowadays our squads are anywhere from six people to nine people. And you meet once a month and you just talk, you figure out where you wanna be, where you wanna to get to, set some goals, um, 
and you follow kind of a, a, not a script, you follow a pattern for every meeting that is designed and optimized to kind of get you to those goals. So if we look at the, the lean-in circles and things like that, um, a, there's a book called The Forum, and McIndae based his original squad concept on The Forum. And the idea really is that peers get together, they talk to each other, and through peer-level conversations and um, the networking opportunities that are available, and also the idea that you're not giving advice, you're sharing your experience, um, those things are key and critical to reaching your goals, whatever your goals are. They didn't even have to be business goals. They could be um, personal goals as well. So that's where we started, 11 folks. Fast and that forward. was in the Bay Area, right? And that was in the Bay Area. That was in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, McIndae took the idea and the concept to Y Combinator, which is a, um, a startup. Uh, it's a startup incubator. And he, DevColor won. Um, I'm forgetting what year. Uh, DevColor won the startup competition and came through as a, as a solid actual organization. And so we're still actually very tiny. We have a staff of seven right now. Um, but in the early in the early years, I think it was more of a staff of three. Um, mm-hmm. So you have a staff of three, you have a squad of 11. And this idea, he did a ton of outreach. He, McIndae knows a ton of people. Um, the original squad also did a lot of outreach. And actually most of the original squad are still in their original squad. Uh, they're oh, still wow. members. Uh, which is very, very exciting. One of them, Aston, is our interim um, CEO right now. So oh, he's been with fun. us again yeah. forever, five years. Yeah. But anyway, so we're going to fast forward to now where we have 500 members. The first year we got to about 100. The second year we got to somewhere in the 215 range. Um, then we went to 360. We're at 500 now. And we went from being in one city, which is San Francisco, to our second city we added was in New York. And then we added Atlanta and Seattle uh, two years ago. And so now we're in four cities. We call those our chapter cities. Okay. It's interesting because COVID has um, done a lot of interesting things to our program. Our program is intended to be in person. We're intending people to sit in a room with each other, have some dinner, talk to each other once a month. So that was the impetus for having us in our chapter cities and making sure that anyone who joined DevColor was located at least within an hour of those cities so they could all get together and be together. So the model is that you have these squads or cohorts of of a small (laughs) group of people. Does it replace the concept of mentors and coaches or does it augment something like that? So interestingly enough, DevColor has, has tried a couple of different things. They did have a mentor model uh, that they called Boost a couple of years ago. And we pretty quickly found out that we're not, um, we're not really equipped or designed to effectively match people one-on-one in a mentor way. Just because we don't have enough people to sort of satisfy that demand. We tend to be um, junior, people who are junior in their their career, we tend to be junior heavy. And while we do have a higher than normal number of people who are mid-career and senior and executive career, it's not a Um, Mm one-to-one. In addition to that, we were not finding that our folks who were in the sort of mid-senior level were really able to devote the same time to a formal mentorship. 
And then the last piece of it is a formal mentorship program actually is a lot of work just in terms of um, making sure that everyone is getting what they need out of it and making sure that things are regulated, that people are trained, et cetera. So we started off with a mentorship program. We moved away from that. Now it's entirely peer-to-peer and it's entirely SWAD-based. So you started to touch on this uh, with it being focused on peer-to-peer. I know one of the things that you spoke about the other day is one of the purposes is to reduce that feeling of isolation of being the only. How have you adapted to this uh, work-from-home environment that we're all in, the distributed environment? Well, Jeff... (laughs) <laughs> I think we're actually still adapting. So yeah. um, I did I did mention before, we took a pretty big hit to our squad model when it turned out that everyone was um, working from home, not just because people were no longer in their offices, which interestingly is where most of our squads would meet. Um, again, going to tech, tech is pretty well supported. And so someone's office might have, you know, big comfy chairs, they're going to have right. food, they're going to have drinks, they're going to have all, so, all the things you need. And so a lot of our squads would just meet in someone's office. So having people at home not only meant that we had to do a lot more virtual squad meetings. We also, though, have to deal with people going home. And so a lot of people come to the Bay Area, they come to Seattle, or they go to New York from someplace else to pursue a tech career. So right now we have members who are, quote unquote, in San Francisco squads who might be living in Atlanta, who might have gone home to Memphis, um, who, who went not just home, but kind of went another time zone or a couple time zones away. And, and that also impacts our scheduling. People, a lot of people have other, well, we all do, um, but especially our members, we have other commitments now. So we're working from home. We might be taking care of our parents. Right. We might be sheltering in place with our kids. So the scheduling piece uh, is, is very, very, very rough. Making sure that you can get eight people together on yet another Zoom call um, yeah. to, to do your, your squad meeting is actually proving pretty hard. And one of the impacts we're seeing is that the sense of isolation is actually more increased. You're not, yeah, yeah. now you're not at work, you're not with your friends, and <laughs> you are having yep. a hard time connecting with your squad. So there's just, it's layers. There's layers and layers right. um, on top of the isolation piece. What we're trying to do is actually combat that by having more events um, and more opportunities for our um, for our members to to just tap in, to just check in with us. We have a lot of partners who are great, amazing partners who are working with us to make events that range from house parties to uh, to tech lectures to career days where we have, you know, we'll look yeah. at resumes, we'll do mock interviews, that kind of stuff. Um, they're not mandatory. We just want to make opportunities for our members to find each other and talk to each other. So you mentioned partners, and, and I had this question that I was going to, toss your way about uh, is there are there membership fees what's the model of dev color look like financially so we are a nonprofit and we have um, we have actually a fairly low considering membership fee so our a star members which is our squad model the a star program members pay three hundred fifty dollars a year if a member cannot afford that we do have scholarships and we do um, also offer a tiered help system. So you pay what you can toward that 350. Um, that does not even come close to covering the cost <laughs> of the program and the members. Right. So typically per member, we spend about $3,000. Okay. Um, the, the gap there is made up 
with our partners. We have uh, tiered level of partners. We have uh, platinum partners, gold partners, et cetera. A lot of big tech companies, um, our partners will do a few things. They will typically give us a um, monetary donation to, to just sort of run the program and run us generally. And then they also, though, will lean in on events. And so with the event programming specifically, oh, and um, while I'm talking, I'm gonna pull up the web, the Dev Color site and make sure I get all the partners or else Rob, who is our partnership director, <laughs> will kill me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he will be like, you missed blah. Um, okay, so I'm just going to read them off. So our platinum donors, we have Atlassian. Then our gold partners, we have Facebook, Square, Pinterest, Uber, Netflix, Google, and MailChimp. We have bronze partners who are Adobe, Autodesk, Bank of America, Capital One, DoorDash, Nextdoor, Quip, Spotify, Workday, and Yelp. And then we have supporters. So we have Fourth and King, Concrete Rose, First Round, Harlem Capital, Patreon, Twilio, and Yardy. These are the folks. So those are the folks that will um, that are keeping us going and that are providing that monetary um, monetary input. We also take donations, and we recently, um, given I think the state of the world, have had an uptick in donations from individuals, and um, and it's been pretty inspiring and surprising. We've actually gotten quite a few donations from um, individuals who we were not aware were aware of us and and that's been that's been nice it's actually made it so that we can have um even more programming that is super impactful and relevant to our members um for instance we uh got a donation from one individual who is a he's a vp um in i want to say he's a vp at twitter and we were able to um, thank him for his donation and also ask him if he would do a tech talk. And he did. And it was very, very, very fun for our members. Our members very much enjoyed getting to be up close with um, someone that they typically just read about. So I'm hearing a lot of ways for our listeners to get involved with the programming, either through becoming a partner, providing donations, potentially being speakers at events and helping to drive membership as well. So lots of lots of great ways. I, I'd love to get to the conversation that we had the other day about the pillars that DevColor was built upon. Could you talk a little bit about those? So DevColor was initially established to do a few things. The main, 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 um, it's its almost, it's not even quite a pillar. It's almost the um, foundation is the idea that we help one another. And mm -hmm. so when we're looking at our metrics and what we're actually um, checking the program to make sure we're doing, we have this concept called props. And so with props, we make sure that our members are not just helping other people, but also recording how people have helped them. And we count those things. And we really want to make sure that um, we are cognizant of the fact that this is not just a uh, sort of professional network. This is a helping network. If you fill out an application for us and there's a big field for you to write in how you have helped people in your community, how you intend to help other members. That's actually very important to us as we go through and review those. We want to make sure that folks come in with this foundation of knowing that they will be helping other people uh, meet these goals and that they will be receiving help. And so it's important that you know how to do both. So that's the first one. The second one is reducing isolation. 
Um, we, again, as any minority actually in the tech community, feel this sense of um, not just aloneness, not just being the only person in the room, but the burden that comes with that is the idea that you, when you speak then, are speaking for every other Black person. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's tricky because at the same time, you sort of have imposter syndrome. So you might have imposter syndrome where you're saying, okay, I'm going to open my mouth and say something. Um, and in doing so, I am representing every Black person in the room, every woman in the room, and yeah. every engineer in the room, sure. it's a tricky place to be. And it is something that we hear our members talk about a lot um, because the idea that they can't be individuals at work is something that overall DevColor is working to, and there's a lot of organizations that are working to do this, but we want to make that as a concept end. Um, yeah. The idea that you cannot actually just be a person and have what you say and what you do taken as just to you in the world having an opinion um that's our ultimate goal is to make it so that black software engineers feel as if they are representing themselves when they bring themselves to work and are being judged and are being um applauded and if they mess up are are you know kind of having that be specific to them and not having it it turn into this larger conversation about, you know, blackness in general or what people are capable of or not capable of. So that's a distant goal and it's not specific to um, anything. I mean, DevColor is working toward things that will ultimately impact that. Right. The other thing that we're really trying to do is make sure that we're building black wealth. And what we mean by black wealth is goes beyond money. We're trying to build um, influence and opportunity and capacity within the black communities that our engineers come from. Oftentimes our engineers are the first person in their family, in their social circle, in the community they um, came from to, to make it into a space that is vastly different in terms of opportunity and in terms of what you can potentially do. Um, engineering specifically is weird. You can come in with nothing and you can have this huge amount of money handed to you within a couple of years. Um, you can come in with everything and lose everything in yeah. a couple of years. And you can also have this outsized impact on what you think. So one of your ideas can go into a piece of code and that piece of code can change how billions of people are yeah. in the world. So yeah. engineering specifically, there's a lot of opportunity there um, and there's a lot at stake there. And we want to support our members in engaging with all of those things on top of the fact that they are black people in the world. And so yeah. they already have other things that they're sort of working with. I thought it was interesting um, when we were talking earlier you talked about that they may be the first ones in their family or their mm -hmm. community uh, to have some of the opportunities because they are in tech. And one of the things that you mentioned was the feeling of guilt mm -hmm. that, that they may feel because of this. Could you elaborate on that a little bit, Cynthia? Yeah. So um, we've definitely heard from members. I get to talk to members all the time. I just want to throw that out there. I have the best uh -huh. job. So I'm the, because I'm the director of programs, I, it's actually my job to talk to all the members all the time. And I am super, super, super pleased that, um, that I get to be, to get to be that person. So having said that, um, I've definitely talked to members who 
struggle with this idea of what tech is in the media and what tech is to people who aren't actually in one of our, you know, sort of silicone bubbles. And so if your parents are hearing that you have a job in tech, then what they're hearing is that you are set, that you have money, oh, and that yeah. you have influence and access, and that you will be bringing that home in some way. And so for people who are also living in the Bay Area, let's say, and most of their income is actually going to rent um, for people who have been given stock options and have no idea what to do with those because they just haven't really, you know, had that kind of fiscal training before. Um, Or for people who maybe didn't have the best connection (laughs) with their communities that they left. Um, Maybe they left for a reason. Uh, There's there's guilt. There's guilt around how much you give back. Um, there's an expectation that you will be doing something mm-hmm. and that you will be doing something regardless of maybe how you personally feel about it. Um, and I've seen this other places. I grew up on a Navajo reservation and I think it's the same when people leave the reservation. Um, there's an expectation that you will go out, learn something and bring it back. It's hard. It's, it's a hard place to be. And when everything is so new and you don't really know who you can talk to it makes it harder and so another thing that we do with our events is sometimes we'll have um just forums just conversations for members to come together and talk about stuff like that like what happens when your company just went public and you got handed all of this quote-unquote money but it's actually in stock and you can't sell it and now you don't have a company anymore what do you do um There's these questions that maybe you could turn to your colleague and ask, but at the same time, maybe your colleague does not have the same understanding that you have about where you came from and what the expectations are. And so adding that cultural element and adding that sort of comfortableness and familiarity where you really can ask any question is really helpful for, again, reducing that sense of isolation, but it also helps our members, I think, just feel like they're part of a conversation rather than being talked down to or being explained to. Mm-hmm. Um, they can come in as professionals who are oftentimes senior professionals and have a conversation about, I'm not sure what to do without feeling like they're losing um, face or prestige or ground. One of the things we haven't touched on is the intersection of female black engineer in tech. Yes. Does DevColor have a specific focus on the female engineer? And and are there different circumstances, different programs that you're wrapping around them to help them through some of the feelings that they have? Yes, we do. Um, another one of the reasons I feel so fortunate to work at DevColor is that it isn't just that DevColor is sort of aware of the Black female engineer as a very specifically targeted group, or I would actually say not targeted, disenfranchised group, but we are actively talking about it. It is an active conversation and we are actually actively all the time working to figure out ways to um, increase gender parity and make sure that we're uh, seeing and hearing from people who are higher up, who are women, who are black women, who are higher up in these tech companies and who can share their experience. Um, we as DevColor actually has a fairly high ratio of women engineers in our program. We have a third, um, women engineers in our program. Sometimes it dips down to about a fourth, but we go out of our way to find 
women engineers and um, try and make sure that they under that they know about our program. When we put our squads together, we make sure that we have uh, at least two women per squad. Again, because we don't want anyone to be the, the only one. Um, yeah. This year, we actually piloted. We had a lot of junior members who wanted to join this year. We piloted a couple of women-only squads, and we try and keep a number of our events women only and women engineers uh, centric, black women engineers specifically. And we do that for a number of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is because even within the black community and even within the black engineering community, you still find that women are um, more impacted in a number of ways. They're impacted because they're women. And so there's this thinking that they're going to be extra helpful, um, extra supportive, extra able to keep moving forward. That happens across the board, across industries with women in general. With women engineers, though, it's on top of the fact that they're expected to engineer, to actually code <laughs> and do their jobs. And then now that we're staying at home, there's the added, again, dependency care. So mm-hmm. now that everyone's at home, you also find this expectation that women will be more available to um, to provide, provide the care at home. And we may have a tech talk that may be with, uh, you know, the new VP of product at MailChimp, who is amazing. And half of the tech talk is maybe around, you know, what you were doing in the 90s when um, a particular song came on, because we'll have a DJ who's playing that song and everyone is just like, oh, my God, I remember the blah, blah, blah. So I don't want to reduce it to, you know, kind of a, a woman getting together and just, um talking about quote unquote non-serious things, but there's the opportunity for black women engineers to bond with one another, yeah. to even see one another is rare. I I have a member who is the only black person, the only woman in her building, not just oh, in her company, in her building. And so these opportunities to let down your guard and really talk about what it's like to just try and juggle all these things, that's that's huge. I found the announcement or the letter, I guess, uh, from your interim CEO that you shared with us. I found the opening couple of lines of that very powerful. And I wonder if you'll indulge me. I'd like to read just a little bit of it and then just have you uh, talk about your reaction uh, mm-hmm. to it. So it starts out, the defining experience of a Black person in tech is continually being the first or the only in a room. Although it can be a source of pride overall, in the moment, it is a lonely experience that is challenging and, I love this word, disempowering in ways those from the majority don't really ever experience. Shelter at home has emphasized for all of us the great loss that comes from not feeling socially close to those that matter. But for our members, that loss hits doubly hard, sitting atop the continual feeling of being relatively alone. That just, to me, spoke to me. And that word disempowering Mm -hmm. was just so vivid to me. So, Cynthia, I, I wonder if you could respond to that Uh, As Cynthia, personally, how does that, what does that say to you? Yes. So interestingly, we have, we have Monday meetings and at our Monday meetings, we need to answer a question. And so the question that we're answered um, for this Monday meeting, each of us goes around, we answer the question, 
the question right now is why dev color why now mm-hmm. and it was aston's turn to answer the question um when he broke this out <laughs> we were just <laughs> like way to set the bar yeah yeah wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was no, uh, just, yeah. it was like, oh, okay, thanks, Aston. Yeah, no, um, we have to follow that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So my first thought was great. My second thought was, um, I'm going to steal this and put it in our member newsletter. And then my third thought around it was that I think he's really capturing something that's very, very important. We talk about reducing isolation. What we don't talk about is is how a person can be in the middle of a space and and feel extra alone pretty much regardless of of what's really going on and that's that's sort of due to the the dynamics in the room and so yeah. if i'm in a room um which i oftentimes am where i'm talking to partners or i'm talking to um people who are just interested in the program oftentimes i'm the only black person there unless i've brought someone from the program what tends to happen is folks are very interested in me uh, they are. They want to hear what I have to say. They want to write some things down. They want to know what they can do to help. What I'm not feeling is the sense that anyone actually understands why I'm there. Uh. They they think I think um, they think that I am there to teach them to teach them about this community to give them ways that they can help the community in a way that sort of makes sense to them so that they can, it's like, um, support the turtles, right? Let's support the sea turtles. Like what, what can we do now? Um, but what, but what that does, it's, it's very, it's very distancing because I don't feel like I can then talk to anyone about anything else. I can't talk to you about my 17 year old. I can't talk to you about, you know, the fact that I just this weekend emptied out my car it's separating in a way that majority people don't feel. If majority people walk into a room, there's some food out, people are walking around, they're smoozing, they're bonding. The sense is that we're all in this together. We all have a backstory. Um, I can walk up to you and I can sort of check in with you and admire your scarf and we'll have a whole conversation that maybe has nothing to do with quote unquote why we're there. Right. It isn't like that if you're the black person in the room even if everyone is doing the same job as you, mm-hmm. there isn't the sense that you're the individual in the room. You're there as people are curious about you. People are wondering why you're here. People might check your badge to make sure you're supposed to be here. There's this sense of otherness that takes away from you as an individual. And that is incredibly, incredibly lonely. And for me, I find it interesting that when I unpack that a little bit with people, they feel the same way. And so I might be talking to somebody who is, again, part of this group. I'm going to be talking to you, Jeff, and mm-hmm. and I'll unpack this. And they feel the same way. And so we should be able to bond over that. We should be able to both be standing there talking about how maybe both of us feel like we're not supposed to really be in this room. Maybe <laughs> both of us are, like, not sure how we got here or why, you know, it feels so uncomfortable wearing this particular jacket. Um, but we're not doing it. And... And that is the isolation that we're trying to break down. That is the that is what we're trying to get our members more support around, mm-hmm. um, because because when it's everything, when you go home and you feel like you you don't fit in because you're in tech now and too good for everybody, oh. um, when you go hang out with your friends and 
they don't quite understand what you're doing anymore because maybe they've taken different paths or different careers. When you go to your back to work and there's, you know, and the folks that you are on your team that you have made these bonds with, you you can't just check in with them. Um, and then you go to an event and again, you're, you're pretty much by yourself. Like there's so many layers of aloneness that go into, um, that go into being a minority person or even a, um, an underrepresented person that when you stack them on top of each other, all you have left is this, uh, you have this game face on top of a, when can I leave? Right. I'm here. I'm going to do this. And when can, when is it okay for me to, for me to go? And that to me is incredibly sad. And so Aston kind of defining it in that way. Um, I think, I think it makes me sad. I also think that it really um, lit a fire under what we're doing at Dev Color and what we're trying to trying to ultimately get to. We don't want people to feel that way. We don't want our members to feel that way. The weight that that you must feel uh, with uh, with what you just described, I, I can't begin to, and I and I wouldn't dare to say I understand right that weight, but it's just got to be numbing. They talk about one of the elements that contributes to uh, stress and stress-related issues is the the feeling of not being connected or isolation, right? And so one of the ways that you combat stress is to gain that connectedness. And I think that's one of the one of the great things that Dev Color is trying to solve is to provide that connectedness and and that has to feel rewarding for you all that work with within dev color that you're providing a vital connection to your members yeah it's pretty um it's pretty insane it's one of those things we have a well when we are allowed to meet we have a conference every july um, we call it Dev Color in Motion, and it's our big conference. Typically, it's at one of our larger partners. Uh, we had it at Netflix this last year. Then the year before, we had it at Facebook. And we bring together as many members as we can. And it's this amazing event because when you walk in, you walk in the door and you see other Black engineers. And the smiles on people's faces are are worth it. Yeah. So many people are so happy just to be in a room where they don't have to explain themselves, where they don't have to um, kind of let down, the, where they, they can just relax, where they can make yeah. dumb engineer jokes. And everyone's like, ho, ho, ho. It's amazing. I mean, even our name, our A-Star program is sort of based on an engineering um, concept where the A-Star um, you're taking all these pieces of data and you're figuring out how to parse them. And the A star is the best way. And then the BFS is the sort of second best by best. I mean, efficient, the mm-hmm. most efficient way, the second most efficient way. And so we have our A star program, we have our BFS program. And so when I first started, I, I am definitely from tech. I'm tech adjacent though. I'm not an engineer. When I first started, um, I had a member explain that to me and just the delight on her face. She was so, she thought it was the best joke 
she was just like, and then you have A star and you have BFS, <laughs> and it's just because it's the first and the second, and you're it's like, yes. yes. <laughs> so having a room, a room filled with all these glorious, beautiful, happy people who are able to just be themselves and just talk for two days yeah. is amazing. And um, again, our our group is pretty small, so there's seven of us. We have a uh, I'm the director of programs on my team. I have a community manager who's been there for um, a couple of years. She's actually been there probably the l- second longest of us. And then we have um, a program manager and a program coordinator. We have a director of partnerships uh, and we have a director of operations. And um, and then we have Aston, who's our, our interim CEO. So we're going to get a CEO soon. But that little group, we need to extend outside of our area fairly often. And so I'll talk to partners, Rob will talk to members, um, people will, and Alex, Alex is also our, um, our marketing manager. So we're all sort of talking to people all the time. We're collecting member stories and, and just hearing what people are up to. And it feels great. It is just, <laughs> people are doing so much. I mean, I'm just, I am amazed by what our members, everything I just said about everything that people carry with them they're carrying all that. They're in a moment of time where it's hard to be black, period. Well, that's not a moment of time. They're in yeah. a moment of time where it is extra hard um, yeah. to be to be black, period. And then they're also just doing these phenomenal things. Like they're figuring out how to build microfinancing for um, communities that are left out of sort of the traditional banking model. Or they're figuring out how to build a website where you can trade your uh, vintage and premium sneakers. Or they're <laughs> figuring out, like they're just, they're uh-huh. just doing all of these. They're making cabinets. They're making these amazing wood cabinets. So individually, our members are so fascinating and fantastic. And when they can come together and talk at a deeper level about who they are and what they're up to and just smile at each other it is so heartwarming it is so fantastic i wish that uh we were on video for our listeners we record this in audio only <laughs> but i can feel your smile i love that coming through yes uh, that is so cool because i can tell you are so excited and cynthia i i could talk with you for hours about this but we need to wrap and as i warned you i always love to wrap up with a really strong call to action our listeners just gave us 35 40 minutes of their time so because they listened to your story today and dev color story today what's one or two things that they should go out and do tomorrow So a couple of things. So we are right in the middle of our application season. So anyone who knows anyone who is a black software engineer who is not part of DevColor, please encourage them to apply. You can do that by going to www.devcolor, all one word, .org slash apply. That's the first thing. The second thing is if you want to donate to us, you, that is also very much welcome and very much appreciated. If you are um, wanting to give something significant, I would encourage you to reach out to Rob Gordon, who is our partnership director. He's on our website. Um, and then if you want to do um, a recurring donation or a smaller donation, then you can go to devcolor.org donate. Those are the two 
best ways to help the org. Other things that we do, though, is we love working with companies who can do significant in-kind, not gifts for us, but uh, proposals for us. So, for instance, we just recently had a marketing company reach out to us and offer to do our annual report. So it's an in-kind gift that is actually very significant and very helpful, takes a ton of work off our plate. That's another way. And then in the world, I'm going to say... Look for those folks who you might not regularly notice. If, you, if you're in engineering, you're probably heads down. You're probably typing an awful lot. Um, you're probably you know, getting up, going to get a snack, coming back to your desk. Look around you. If you're seeing folks that are not being recognized or included or... Um, I, I hate to I, I hate to keep saying disenfranchised, but right. every company has company meetings, right? Use those company meetings to really, really, really learn everyone's name. Learn how to pronounce people's names. Um, talk to people. Be open to people. What we're trying to do is break down this idea that there's difference, right? There, we're not that different, and it helps enormously for folks in the room to know that you see them as an individual and as a person, and that they are not necessarily there in a role as teacher. They're there in a role as just fellow traveler. As a peer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great advice. One, one other question that I, that I have is if, if one of our listeners out there or a group of our listeners out there would like to start a chapter or a squad mm-hmm. in a city that's not one of those four, is there opportunity to reach out to talk about that as well? Yes. So we have what we're calling a a bridge year this year. We're trying to figure out how to optimize our program to be remote. So this year we are looking at designing the program to be fully remote, which would make next year, 2022, a year where we can scale across the across the nation. So I'm absolutely I'm interested in having that conversation. Um, I want to figure out how to build out as many opportunities as possible for people to find each other um, and connect to each other. So 2022 is going to be the year where we're accepting folks who are not near a chapter city, but 2021 is when we're building that. And start to plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Cynthia, I thank you so much. I have really enjoyed our conversation. I, I think your insights and what Dev Color is doing for the black engineering community is amazing. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. Um, Can I, I wanted to add one thing that I forgot to talk about, which was about uh, hiring. Yes. Okay. So one of the other ways that, um, that folks can, can diversify their workforce is to look at how they're hiring. So look at the algorithms that you're using to check your resumes, make sure that you're asking for things that are reasonable. So what we're finding in tech is that someone will say, you know, you need eight years of JSON experience when actually JSON hasn't existed for eight years. So be super, super clear about what you're asking for and also be super clear about what you are saying in terms of must have a master's, must have a CS degree. Um, There are a lot of non-traditional candidates out there who are self-taught and who come through boot camps and who would be fantastic to have on your team who are being weeded out before they ever get to talk to somebody because of the um, of the way resumes are being vetted. So yeah. that's a huge thing that folks, that companies can do pretty easily actually, just, uh, just what wording they're looking for to do the matching. 
And then the last thing around that is really putting a priority on who's coming through the door and actually stating that you want to see a diverse set of candidates for every position whenever possible. You don't have to hire them, but you want to see them. You want to see, you want your interviewers to be able to talk to more than one of a minority group because what we've seen is that when you talk to two people, you see them as individuals instead of just the Uh, one woman who applied. That's, that is a great point and great advice to look at the algorithms and to be intentional uh, about your candidate pool. So again, Cynthia, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, Go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information, and we'll we'll be sure to provide the links to the sites that Cynthia mentioned uh, so that you can have easy access to those as well. This is Jeff Tun for Cynthia Billups. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.